This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You guys know I love to start with a question. Here's one. (laughs) Are you a dog person or a cat person? Because I'm both. But I feel so badly for my animals because whatever their actual name is, they never get called that in my house because I have dozens and dozens of nicknames that sprout and morph as the years go by. But there's a very fine art to pet names. Every year, pet care company Rover puts out a report of the most popular pet names. And as we look back at 2021, you ready to hear? Popularity of the name Zoom jumped 443%. And then as bad as that is, how about the name COVID? That climbed 35% in popularity. But at the very top, the pet name of the year, Fauci. I, I guess I sort of see that. Like, here, Fauci. Here, Fauci. You know, that's easier than some of the others that were on the list. Like, ready? Pfizer, crypto, Bitcoin, and the outlier, Britney Spears. Pet adoption, as you guys probably have heard, skyrocketed during the pandemic, and nobody knows more or has become successful with the booming pet care industry than my Everyone Talks to Liz guest today. He's Neil Gill, president and CEO of Dogtopia, the wildly popular doggy daycare and spa franchise giant with more than 170 locations and growing. Great to have you, Neil. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Liz. Great to be here. Pfizer. I mean, I, I, like I said, I get Fauci, but here Pfizer, I mean, people are insane with these names. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense, Liz. I mean, Scruffy is is our mascot and you know, there's a lot of the humility to that name. So yeah, Pfizer and Fauci, I'm not sure about that. Well, as a boy, you grew up in Australia having a lot of dogs, right? I mean, as I hear, you had corgis, Labradors, German Shepherds. Tell me where your love of dogs really began. Yeah, it started when I was about four years old and um, it was a long-legged corgi. So it was a rescue and um, he was a tenacious, kind of almost crazy little guy that had these long white legs that um, he wasn't going to be told what to do. And so he used to tear out of the yard all the time and chase other dogs. And he he was determined to maintain his own self. Corgis are nuts. I mean, and I have, I say that in a loving way, but uh, the Queen of England loves corgis. Uh-huh. But I had an opportunity once to meet the Queen of England's pastry chef. And I said, what's your day like? And he said, well, it begins very early, darling. We have to feed the corgis. So we have to make lamb and beef. And, and, and I said, oh, what's that like? And he said, oh, they're absolutely crazy, these corgis. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, they're very popular. I mean, in 2020, corgi became one of the most popular breeds. So we we saw a lot of those in our daycares and they're a very determined dog, you know, the, like they're so cute. Uh-huh. They're so cute, but I'd worry they wouldn't be able to jump up onto my bed at night. Cause I have to have the dog on the bed. I'm one of those people. Uh, believe me, Liz, corgis can, when they put their mind to it, they could do whatever they, whatever they determined. Well, same with German shepherds too, right? 
Yeah, the German Shepherds, are, it's one of my favourite breeds. They're, they're very protective and incredibly intelligent. And so I learned a lot about myself, I think, um, in training my German Shepherd and working with him over the years. Just an incredibly intelligent breed that um, are very tenacious and they watch you like nothing else. They just oh, I, know. I know. They have to be like all ninja around you and have to, because I grew up with German Shepherds. My dad loved them. And that's all we really had. And then we transformed to rescues, right. which has stayed with me. I have a rescue cat. I, I'm big on rescue because there's so many pets that need love and affection who have been dumped by people who just couldn't handle them. But we'll get to that more in a minute. As much as your love of dogs began at age four, your love of franchising wasn't really far behind. This is what amazes me. And I, and I thought we have to get Neil onto Everyone Talks to Liz because you joined your first franchise at the age of 15 years old. Tell me that story. Yeah, that's right, Liz. So 15 years old, KFC. And I joke about the fact that you know, I've kind of gone from one of the simplest franchise systems to um, one of the most complex franchise systems now with Dogtopia because of just that love of the dog and uh, that high emotional connection that takes place. But at 15 years old, you know, while still at school, I decided that it was time to start to you know, develop my own wealth. And, um, and so joined KFC back still when it was called Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, when the word fried wasn't a dirty word. And... <laughs> Still and, fine in my house, by the way. And so it, it was that entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, a franchisee meets the protection of some guardrails of a franchise system where I fell in love with the concept of franchising. You know, at 15, I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of what a franchise system looked like, uh, but, you know, always very conscious around uh, making a dollar. You know, even as a young kid, I would build things and sell them. So I kind of started my own little e-com business before e-com existed. And, um, and so it was that wonderful entrepreneurism meets the safety aspects of a proven system through franchising. Yeah, yeah. And that's Very attractive for a lot of people. But when you went off to University of Technology in, in Sydney, correct? You majored in engineering. Yeah, so that seems different from business or franchising or entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, it is and it isn't. And that's, I mean, the, the reason I didn't continue to pursue it, you know, I did a lot of research as part of my degree. I then worked for a couple of years with some engineering companies and I just couldn't be around that people type in the sense, you know, I'd walk into some laboratories with some engineers and they'd be measuring their milk and, and, uh, <laughs> and so I went out of there and back into the restaurant world and started to explore just my own entrepreneurial spirit and building different brands and concepts. Well, yeah, you got into restaurant franchising uh-huh. with, again, international brands. Which ones did you dive into and how did that go? What did you learn and, and how difficult was it in the beginning? Yeah, Australia is a very interesting market and I think it taught me a lot just about um, how to stay humble in the process but also uh, how to drive a new brand. I mean, uh, Australians are very, I joke about the fact that they're very similar to the millennial demographics. So they're very independent, they're very uh, opinionated in their approach. Um, They're very kind of anti-brand 
And so it, when we were starting to develop each of these different concepts, you know, I went into the Pizza Hut brand and, and then uh, with Norman Brinker with Chili's and then kind of post that into the coffee space with Gloria Jean's coffees. And one of the key learnings through all of that was how do you take this branded concept um, or a chain? Yeah, chain is a kind of dirty word in, mm. in my vernacular and particularly with the, the millennial vernacular, right? Um, and it's always been a dirty word in Australia. And so how do you take this branded concept, make it local, you know, put local operators in it, which is the beauty of franchising. Like franchising is all about local operators engaged in their communities, running an international brand with the strength behind that. And so, you know, just growing up in that Australian marketplace where you've got this really independent mindset um, in an economy. I mean, Australia's economy hasn't had a recession in 30 years. And so, you know, that growth mindset is just let's keep pushing, let's keep pushing. Um, you know, failure is kind of not even an option. And so it's taking you know, that branded concept and making it as unique as possible in every single community by putting local owners in it. And I think that was a big part of the success yeah. and that's certainly part of what we're doing with Dogtopia. Again, reach back, if you could, to your Pizza Hut days and... Tell me about some difficult moments you had as you were forging your way in the franchise world. Yeah, I mean, let me I'll step past because the Pizza Hut piece had more guardrails around it. It was more proven. So okay. uh, I joined a group where we developed our own restaurant concept over in the Western states of Australia. And I sat down with uh, the owner at the time and we put this really wonderful business plan together and we all signed. I had their finance person. We, The three of us sat down. We built this plan. We built a budget. We all signed off on it. And then we launched. We opened the doors and our first week was was about 20% of what we expected. Oh. <laughs> and well, what was the concept? Uh, it was actually a seafood restaurant. So 320 seat with um, a huge outdoor seating area as well for another 150. And you know, it needed volume. It you know, had massive investment around it all. There was a big lease behind it all and we needed to be doing the volume. And you know, to start off in that first week with just you know, 20% of what we'd budgeted. And we, we'd gone in fairly conservative with our budgets. And... You know, what that taught me at that point in time is you know, that entrepreneurial spirit needs some discipline around it. And, and it's those moments where you're faced with the adversity of failure that you need the strength of mindset to believe in what you're doing. Because the second you start to doubt where you're headed, the second you start to doubt that plan you've put in place, like the second you start to doubt your vision, you're in trouble. And so, and it was really that point in time that taught me because kind of everyone was freaking out, right? And, um, and I use this as an example with our franchisees. And I found myself just in the centre of this storm, incredibly calm, like just incredibly calm. And, and I was calm because, number one, I had this really clearly defined plan in place and I believed like nobody else. I just believed. And, and so I saw it as my job then to actually keep the calm in the team. 
And so I worked through that. And so it was a matter of then, you know, working with the, the finance team and saying, look, guys, this is fine. We're going to work through this. This is how it's going to pan out. Did it ultimately succeed? Absolutely. I mean, it was an incredible success. We had Elle McPherson do a, a whole um, shoot down there. So, and it was just through that absolute belief set, tenacity, um, following the plan, but at the same time being really creative in the process. Well, Howard Schultz of, of Starbucks told me once when I was interviewing him, surround yourself with people who believe in you and tune everybody else out, even if they're family members. Yeah, well, that's, your family away. members can be some of the most dangerous. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Get a real job. Yeah. Go back to safety. Yeah, forget it. No. How did the shift to Dogtopia come about? I'm still living in Australia and my wife and I, um, you know, we're living in this beautiful waterfront property on Sydney Harbour, kayak every morning. And, uh, you know, I'd said to Susan, I said, look, we've probably got about 40 years left in us. Is this it? Right. Like, this is wonderful, uh, but I'm bored. And um, and so at the same time, I got this phone call from this guy from Dogtopia. Right. And um and, you know, he connected up with me through YPL and, and he said, hey, look, I've got this concept. We've just bought it. We're looking for someone to, to run it. Are you interested? And it was 28 locations. And, you know, uh, I built Gloria Jean's Coffees up to over 1,000 locations in 39 countries around the world. And mm. I'm thinking 28 locations, really? Do I want to go through that again? And so I took a look at it and... So, and we were kind of toying with heading back to the US because my wife's from San Diego and uh, you know, I'd met her in 94 when I was with Chili's actually. And um, so we were toying with coming back to the US to live. And so I came across and I took a look at Dogtopia and I spent a month, right? I just spent a month going out and visiting our franchisees, visiting uh, the stores, talking to pet parents. And so, you know, because the whole daycare concept was was new. This was six years ago, okay? Yeah. yeah. And it was mainly kennel um, components at the time. And the thing that really changed my mindset around it all was I went to an expo and I met 600 independent operators and I could hear in my head Norman Brinker. That's all. I could just hear Norman Brinker. And Norman used to always talk about this when he first started, you know, the because he created casual dining. Yeah. And when he first came out of university, he saw fast food, you know, the restaurant sector was fast food and fine dining, and there was nothing in between. And what I, I could just hear Norman saying, develop a sector that doesn't exist. Right? And that's, that's what we've done with Dogtopia. Now, daycare was in its infancy. It wasn't a concept. And I saw this opportunity to develop this sector that doesn't exist yet. And yet, you really did have to pivot because if you screw up a pizza or burn it, you throw it out, it's no big deal. You're dealing with living, breathing animals. Well, it's their children. Pardon me? It's their children. Like you're dealing with furry children. Like it's, it's, this is part of the family. It's incredibly important to people. Well, what were the first challenges you faced in making that change to doggy daycare? Yeah, I mean, there was no, there were a couple of benefits. Number one, there was really no brand. So that, that made kind of shifting the proposition um, easier. 
some of the key challenges was just getting the franchisees on the journey at the time and you know because they had run fairly independent businesses there wasn't a lot of support at that point and so it was about getting them on the journey with us and then also creating the right people okay and the, the people side of things yeah back to your comment you know from Howard Schultz you know at, 100% correct. You know, bring the right people around you. Bring people that have been there and done it before and bring people that, can, that have the same vision. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying and running a franchise is very difficult, no matter how great the product or the service is. What do you think, Neil, is the most important characteristic somebody thinking of buying a franchise must have in order to succeed? Yeah, I call it gumption. And so, and I launched that concept at our conference in 2019. It's, and it couldn't have been at a better time, right? As we, at that point in time, no one saw the pandemic coming. And I launched this concept of gumption, and that's this tenacity, this belief set, it's never giving up, uh, and pushing aside those distractions you spoke about, Liz, you know, the family members and the Uber drivers and, you know, anyone that has an opinion around what you're doing. And what's interesting about the dog space is everybody has an opinion, right? And because, that, you know, 91 million people own a dog, so there's 91 million opinions out there. And so this gumption proposition is about never giving up, working super hard, believing in the purpose. You know, a big part of Dogtopia is our noble cause and that purpose that we have built around why we do what we do. Part of the big driver. And, you know, we're always on Everyone Talks to Liz looking for silver linings or turning, you know, a lemon into lemonade. And boy, did you have one gigantic lemon with the COVID disaster, the pandemic, except that for you guys, one of the things that, and not a lot of people would have predicted this, that the pandemic engendered was this desire by so many people to adopt pets because they were stuck at home and they wanted companionship. There was so much loneliness at the time. How did that affect Dogtopia? Because you started with what, just under 30 franchises, you've got 170 and climbing now. So you could argue it was a huge silver lining for you guys. Yeah, it, it, it was an interesting time, Liz. And so we're 183 today, by the way. So we opened wow. a couple wow. today. So um, yeah, I'm always very proud of, of our growth. Each one. Everyone's important. And that really is. And so the pandemic 
was an interesting time. So we went through a period of where, you know, the business wasn't deemed as essential. So some stores were closed down during, you know, a few-week period. We worked with attorney generals in cities to get them reopened. We provided free daycare to nurses and doctors, you know, as part of, you know, the early stage because they were working 16-hour days and so on. And what's what's happened is the pandemic has really allowed people to better understand their dogs. People are spending more time now with their dogs than they've ever spent because they're working from home. And I get asked the question a lot, so I'm assuming that the work from home has impacted your business. It's impacted positively. And so a couple of things have happened. So people are spending more time with their dogs, so they're starting to better understand their dogs' personalities and their dogs' needs. Dogs need a lot of exercise. And, you know, 60% of dogs in the U.S. are obese. And so part of our goal is to drive this wellness proposition around the brand. So we know that a dog in daycare does about 30,000 steps a day. Nice. 30,000. Can you imagine if, I mean, I wear a Fitbit because I'm very conscious of my (laughs) steps. If I could do 30,000 steps a day. Oh, uh, yeah, you'd be in the money there. I'd be a better, better man, right? And so whereas a dog at home does about 4,000 steps, so parents have started to realise just how bored dogs get when they're left at home all day. Right? So that's not good for a dog's mental health. The other thing that happened is parents started living vicariously through their dogs. And we really love this concept. So we saw our webcam viewership go from about 27 minutes at a time to an hour and 37 minutes. Right? And I, I just, yeah, you just keep checking on the baby. Got to uh-huh. check on the baby. And, and part of it was checking on the baby, but part of it was bringing fun into their life because you touched on it, Liz. Like people you know, were isolated at home. And what we found was as we started to introduce kind of more um, like day plays into the playrooms, the viewership went up. And so it was this kind of vicarious fun that parents were experiencing. So they were just bringing this joy through the webcams. And so the, and the stores that were running things like bacon bubbles and peanut butter bubbles and oh. you know, all these different fun concepts. Bacon bubbles. Uh-huh. Bacon bubbles. Believe me, <laughs> one of the most powerful marketing concepts you can come up with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're still obviously in the thick of the pandemic with this new Omicron variant. Uh, many think we're in for another rough winter. Do you anticipate another boom in pet adoption? Yeah, it's an interesting question, and we've been having a lot of conversations around that. Uh, I mean, 6 to 11 million new dogs were adopted uh, in the last 12 months, and we're seeing that in our business. Like last week, we were were pushing 40% comps against 2019, right? So not against 2020, but but against 2019. So 40% more dogs in our businesses, and we've got a lot of our locations now that are pushing capacity restraints and starting to have to, you know, put people on wait lists as part of the model. And so, you know, we're seeing a couple of key things. So definitely more people are bringing dogs into their families because of the joy that the dog brings. So that's one. People are seeing that their dogs need much more attention than they thought that they ever needed. You know, the Zoom, it's funny you mentioned that the name Zoom is popular, but, the, you know, the Zoom meetings has caused... Um, parents to have to put their dogs in the daycare because they never know when the dog's going to bark when the postman turns up and things like that. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I do my show from home, especially now. I was back in the studio, but I'm back at home now. And I tell everybody, disconnect the doorbell because the minute that rings, 
Rosie, a.k.a. Rosa Bum, like I said, my name's Morph, she will go crazy. Yeah. And that's and that's difficult when you're in Zoom sessions. So, you know, the daycare side of things is is the awareness is getting greater. And then, you know, we kind of joke about the fact that, you know, because dogs can't catch COVID, right? And so the dogs could still go out and play, but the parents couldn't. And so, you know, hence that webcam viewership side of things. The other thing we saw, and you touched on this earlier, Liz, is we saw shelters empty out last year. Right. So, you know, as, as the adoption went through the roof, shelters became empty. You couldn't adopt a dog, which was a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, part of our noble cause is, you know, we want to put a dog taper in every community around the neighbourhood so that we give people the opportunity to have a dog in their life, right? And, you know, Mayo Clinic have done a lot of research around the benefits of pets to families. Oh, you're, yes. You're four times less likely to die from heart disease if you have a pet in your life, right? So, you know, I say to people, get a dog, and uh, <laughs> that's a key piece of advice. And so you know, that whole the pandemic shift, I think, has made people much more focused on themselves, but also much more focused around that wellness as a proposition. We've become much more conscious of our own health and wellness. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, this is just each day changing and shifting right under our feet like an earthquake, but. All right, as we finish up, I'm, I'm really interested to know, and I go back to that moment where you said you were still living in Australia and you're playing on the beach and you said, is this it? Is this it? I mean, or do you have future plans to take the entire thing public? Uh, you've got to give us a window into your world. Yeah, so it's, a, and that's another question I get asked a lot is like, what does the future look like? And we're still working through that. So right now our core focus is, Let's build the brand to you know, 400 locations so that we can, like, we want to be a household name. You know, we want the Dogtopia dog to be a revered dog where when you're walking down the street, you know, I've said to my team, I want to, I want to be able to drive down the street and I want to be able to say, there's a Dogtopia dog, there's a Dogtopia dog, there's a Dogtopia dog. You know, I want an app that actually identifies Dogtopia dogs so parents can meet each other in neighbourhoods. Yeah, because a dogtopia dog is well socialized, it's well exercised, and you know that it's that it's had all of its shots up to date. Plays well with others. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's it's a dog that you can socialize with. And so and so our goal right now is you know, we're not thinking about exit at this stage, we're thinking about growth. You know, at 180 plus locations, we're still in our infancy. We know the country can sustain at least a thousand stores. And so we've got a long journey ahead of us. And so, you know, is it 40 years? I hope not. Um, <laughs> but is it, it's probably 10 years to get to that stage. Well, as long as you're having fun, and it, it honestly sounds like you are. How could you not have fun with dogs and bacon bubbles, Neil? Bacon bubbles. Don't forget the bacon bubbles. But it is. I mean, that's a key part, Liz, is you, you've got to have fun in what you do. And it has to be a sport for you. I talk all the time about, you know, make business a sport and you never stop having fun. Neil Gill of Dogtopia. Wonderful to have you on Everyone Talks to Liz. Thank you so much for opening up your business mind and your business book and your whole view on life. It, it's so perfect for us. We really appreciate it. Liz, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed the chat. Great. 
Great to spend okay. some time together. And I need I need some bacon bubbles. So I, I you know, we got to make that happen. And thanks to all of our listeners. And we really appreciate every time you tune in. I hope you're never disappointed. These stories are just the most inspirational ones. And we definitely cull them and make sure that you get the best of the best. So I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Business Network for my show, Claimant Countdown. And until then, be well, be safe. And we'll see you soon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.